0: You are listening to So Money. It is Saturday, May 16th. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. It is the weekend. Hope you're having a fantastic time off from work. Excited to uh, get to today's questions. It is an Ask Farnoosh episode. Of course, every Saturday and Sunday, I turn the show to you, and I look to see what is on your money mind. Questions have been pouring in all week from uh, you heading over to somoneypodcast.com, clicking on Ask Farnoosh. That is the best way to reach me. Uh, but before we go to those questions, let's first head over to iTunes. Uh, because it's Saturday, and every Saturday, I select one new iTunes reviewer to receive- Receive a free 15-minute money session with me. And the session this week will go to 24 and Figuring It Out. That's the name. And uh, this person says, the podcast is life-changing. Seriously, exclamation point, five stars. I have been listening to this podcast for a few months, and has changed my life. I listen to so many on my morning commute and man, does it start my day off right. The guests I listen to each morning energize me for the day ahead, remind me to take healthy risks, and serve as a reminder that everyone fails at some point, even the rich and successful. It's true. This podcast turned wasting commute time into the most inspiring part of my day. It's even inspired me to pursue my own endeavors more aggressively. I love Farnouche's interviewing style and can't wait to see what else this podcast and Farnouche have in store. The podcast rocks. Uh, well, thank you. That review rocked. And I'm excited to share with you that coming up later, uh, in the next few weeks on So Money, we have some amazing guests, including the one and only Margaret Cho. Just got confirmation that she'll be joining So Money. Um, so that's cool, right? People like Margaret Cho are interested in speaking with me and, and, and being a part of this, uh, wonderful adventure called So Money. So stay tuned for that. And, uh, and so that, so I want to say 24 and figuring it out, uh, email me, (laughs) I don't know if you're male or female, but email me farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. And there we can connect. I'll help you, uh, get to my booking calendar and you can choose a time to speak with me and, uh, we'll go from there. Looking forward to connecting. All right. Let's turn to our questions for today. We have starting with Ray. This is actually not a question, but it is a, a, some feedback. Ray says, a couple of times, you've referred to guests as having almost perfect credit scores. In both cases, their scores were around or just under 800. A perfect score is 850. While anything over 750 is excellent, 798 isn't really almost perfect. Hmm, well... Ray, you got me. Um, I will say though, I, I know the difference. I know that credit scores run up to 850, but, uh, I feel comfortable and confident enough to say that if your score is a 798, it's for all intents and purposes, perfect. In other words, if you're applying for a loan and you've got a 798, uh, it's, you've won. <laughs> you know, the lender's not going to come back to you and say, you know, be much, it would be much better if you had an 820. And by the way, 850 is sort of this, unreachable. I mean, not I don't know anyone who's got an 850. And if anyone says they have an 850, congratulations, but you know what? Next month it might fluctuate. Credit scores are really just a moving target. And frankly, anything over 760 as far as lenders are concerned, uh is the the best score, you know, that that is that will qualify you for the best terms, the best interest rates on loans, assuming everything else on your in your application adds up and measures up. But um I guess uh, thanks for pointing that out. It is true that your credit score runs to 850, but I don't feel like I have misled people on this podcast in saying that, you know, figuratively speaking, that a 798 is pretty much perfect. Because in in actuality, in, in actual practicality, that's going to get you as good of a loan as somebody with an 850, frankly. And there aren't many people out there who've got 850s. So if you've got something in the very high 700s, low 800s, you're you're doing very very well and you are near perfect. So sorry if we're at odds at this over, over this ray but uh, I appreciate getting in touch. Melody says, "Thank you for your podcast. I have a question for you. My parents did not prepare for their retirement and have run out of money in their mid 70s. They do receive social security, but it just is not enough to cover things like dental. I am in my mid 30s. I'm saving desperately for a house down payment and to avoid my parents' mistakes." I also live overseas, and I have two sisters with much smaller incomes than mine. How can I balance my parents' needs while also taking care of my own? Any ideas would be really appreciated. Well, Melody, you know, you're not alone. Millions of young adults are in your shoes finding themselves trying to financially support their elder parents while at the same time dealing with their own finances. It sounds like you are... At the very least, extremely conscious about not making the mistakes that your parents made. That's great. You know, you've learned, uh, you've learned well, you've learned correctly, and you're trying to, you know, uh, undo perhaps uh, what might have been your fate, which was just to sort of follow your parents' footsteps. And so I think my first bit of advice to you would say have a really big talk with your siblings. I know that they make far less than you do, but this is not something that you should just assume should entirely fall on your shoulders, that you have other siblings that while they may not be making as much money, this should be a part of their consciousness. They should assume that while they may not be able to literally hand over money to their parents every month, but maybe they can do something to help them with their – finances, whether it's helping them pay their bills, calling their lenders, calling their billers and negotiating on their behalf, really being advocates for them because they're much closer. They might be able to do this easier than you can. And perhaps all of you should agree to chip into an emergency fund for your parents and say, you know, um, make it equal, say everyone, every month we're going to, d- we're going to chip in 2% of our salaries. And that could be a lot of money every month once it's pooled together. And this can serve as your family emergency fund for mom and dad. I don't think this should fall entirely on you. If you want to maybe contribute a little bit more, feel free. But I think the siblings should be involved as well. And maybe it'll encourage them to make more money um, because – you know, this is everyone's mom and dad, not just yours. That's what I would do. And Todd, if you're listening, my brother, this is what I would do in the event that our parents, you know, uh, God forbid, got to a point where they were financially broken. You know, this would, I would hope that we would be able to work through it together. And so think about starting a caregiving budget where you contribute anywhere from two to 5% of your incomes and hold that as an emergency reserve. So when they go to the dentist and they need to pay the copay, It can come from this. And it's, uh, you know, it's something that you just know you're going to contribute to every month. You can work around it, hopefully, and maintain your savings goals for all these other things that you want to accomplish. And I will say that you must talk to your parents about this. Uh, as difficult it is, as difficult as it is to talk to mom and dad about money, especially when it's their money, it is important that you just have a really open and honest and calm conversation about what their wishes are. You know, how do they want you and the siblings to help them out? And, and they may say, Hey, we've got it figured out. Don't worry. You know, uh, we don't want to stress you out, but just say, you know, as it stands, mom and dad, you're, you're not earning enough through social security to cover your costs. So, you know, from a practical standpoint, you need help and we want to help you, but, Um, we just want to make sure that this is a fluid conversation, that we're not assuming things. You're not assuming things that we're really managing everyone's expectations. And more importantly, you know, if something should happen to one of you, what then would you want us to do? Who of all of us would you be most comfortable, say, making financial decisions on your behalf? Um, where do your bills go? How would we be able to, you know, step in seamlessly and take over your financial responsibilities? Um, so it's important to break the ice a little bit, the financial ice with your parents and just say, you know, I'm a little concerned, but I want to make sure you're happy that you're, that, that I'm not doing anything that's against your wishes, but, uh, you know, I, I really want to be there for you as much as I can. I mean, I'm overseas, but we have siblings, um, you know, that might be able to be of service to you in some way and, and let them be in the driver's seat a little bit. I think parents. They still want to be your parents, right? They don't want to be told what to do. So it's really important to kind of shape the conversation like, hey, um, I really want to help you. What can I do for you? Um, And and maybe explain that you're having this emergency fund for them, and hopefully they'll really appreciate it. But communication is really the takeaway here with your siblings and with your parents. Everybody needs to get on the same page. Everyone needs to be accountable for something because it's not fair to you. I agree. Uh, Just because you're making more doesn't mean that you necessarily have to be the only one that is concerned with this, that your siblings really need to play a role as well. Good luck. and let me know how it goes. I, I always want to hear back from you guys. I, I don't always hear the other part of the you know the story as as I give you the advice, I'd love to hear if you incorporated it, if you were like, that was a horrible advice, Farnoosh. or if you said, you know what? I, I tried it. It didn't quite work, but here's what happened. And and you know, let's keep the dialogue going and and use the same tool, ask Farnish to to get in touch. John writes in and says, my wife's parents have two daughters. About a year ago, the parents gave my wife's sister $100,000 to help her buy her first place. They never mentioned to my wife if they will give her anything or discuss the gift. My wife feels like it's unfair and they don't love her as much. To make my wife feel better, I told her that we don't even need the money. However, the emotional and relationship issues still exist. What should she do? Should she bring it up to the parents about how she feels? We're visiting them in a couple days for a week. So hopefully you can answer this this weekend. <laughs> Thanks. Well, John, I, I I saw that and I wanted to get to this as soon as possible for you. And maybe you're already at your parents' or your in-laws' house. So I will be honest. I had to really sit back and think about this. Um, it didn't have a, a ready answer for you. And I tried to put myself in your wife's situation. I tried to sort of channel all of the um, advice that I've heard over the years from really, really amazing, you know, therapists and financial therapists and relationship experts and coaches. And even I channeled Tony Robbins. I channeled Brené Brown. I channel all these people, you know, cause I watch Super Soul Sunday. No, know, but I do. And this is, this was a tough one. I can completely understand where your wife is coming from, um, this, you know, dynamic parent-daughter, parent-child dynamic, and then, you know, sibling-sibling dynamic, very layered, very complex, how she is feeling, um, you know, maybe she's holding something inside of her that she has resented for many years. And this was just like the tip, you know, this was just uh, the, the tipping point, frankly. This was the the straw that broke the camel's back. She has maybe witnessed things in her relationship with her parents where she has felt like the odd one out and now this is like the the biggest, you know, ultimate maybe slap in the face. It may feel like that, but I don't think that the first reaction should be to express disappointment to her parents. She's probably feeling a lot of emotion right now. Going to them right now in this stage at this with this state of mind is is not going to be productive. Um instead, I would say your wife needs to take a deep breath and ask herself, why do I think that my parents' love for me is measured by how much money they give me? Think about it. We all have relationships with money. We all have relationships with our parents. And if perhaps she looks back at her childhood and and remembers that her parents um, helped, her parents sort of healed situations always by throwing money at problems. Or um, instead of saying, I love you, they gave her more money. And so if that was the case, then realize that this is just the conditioning that she grew up with, and, and we all have these sort of unfortunate conditionings. But really thinking hard about, where does this sense of um, feeling left out, feeling less loved, why? Why is this issue of money causing that? Um, is it because she really does see that money is a source of love? And if so, why? So do a little self-reflection on that and understand why you feel the way that you do. And the disappointment maybe has more to do with how your wife views and values money and that money represents love. If that's the story that she's telling herself, then I would encourage her to rethink that story, reshape that story, reframe. How about this? How about money is just a tool? It's a means to an end. It's a just a piece of currency, because I'd be willing to bet that her parents, unless they're just awful people, which I don't think they are, hopefully not, did not help her sister out because they love her more. They wanted to make your wife feel bad. Um, they probably didn't realize the ramifications, the emotional ramifications it would have on your daughter. Maybe they did, and that's why they didn't really talk to her about it because they just didn't want to make a big issue out of it. Um, but... They did it probably because they recognized that their other daughter needed some help to achieve her goals. And as parents, they decided to help her out in this way. Um, So for your wife, I would say instead use this moment to be really just grateful. Be grateful that she has the ability to be financially stable on her own. Be grateful that she doesn't need her parents' help. Um, And to the best of her ability, I know this is hard. I know you have to be the bigger person. To the best of her ability, try not to be passive-aggressive when talking about this gift at family gatherings. You know, the next time she sees her sister or the next time she sees her parents, don't say anything you'll, you'll regret. Because I know that there is temptation to be bitter, to be resentful. But, you know, unless this act of generosity from her parents to her sister um, is just one example of many where they've been clearly and just obviously more attentive to her sister than her, Leave it alone. And if that is the case, where you've just, over her lifetime, she's experienced tons of moments where her parents have just been really inconsiderate to her, then it's not about the money, right? This is a bigger issue. Maybe there's, like, she has to really confront them about that, go to therapy with them or without them, but it's really, then it's not about the money. It's about just an overall relationship conflict. But otherwise, try to look at this event as a sign of how much you know, how much you should be appreciating life. And as parents, you know, I'm a new parent. You're going to make mistakes. You sometimes make decisions that will hurt your kids. But it's never intentional. And as an adult woman, you know, try to have compassion over this. Let me know how it goes. You have now, you're probably spending time with your in-laws. I'm curious to know if if it comes up. So I, I sorry, that was kind of a long answer. But this was not, I think, a question about money. It's really a question about your Your wife feeling feeling like there is uh, some emotional disparity happening between your parents and your sis and her sister and herself. So let me know how it goes, John. Sahil writes in and says, "Hey, Farnoosh, I really enjoy your podcast. Please keep them coming. I have a question regarding P two P lending. Is a H one B visa work permit holder uh, allowed or eligible to invest through Lending Club?" I want to invest, but I could not find an answer to the above question. Please provide your comment on the same. Uh, well, Sahil, I, uh, I searched and searched and searched, and I also did not really find anything on this. And um, although I did find an article online from the BBC that said you can, that technically you can do this if you're an H-1B visa holder. But I don't always just go on an article, right? You want to go to the source. So if I were you, I would just call Lending Club. They've got a toll free number. It's it's, uh, 888 376 6642. Call them and ask. They'll tell you. It'll take five minutes, hopefully, not longer if they're not on some sort of long call waiting. But uh, I would also ask Prosper. Prosper is a, a similar company that allows for P2P lending on their site, and their number is 877 646 5922. So I'm sorry I don't have the answer, but I do know who does. It's Lending Club and Prosper. So call them, and um, hopefully they will have an answer for you, and their answer is better than anyone else's. So good luck, and thanks for listening. And by the way, to learn more about P2P lending, we did do a great uh, interview with Simon Cunningham. Simon is the founder of Lending Memo Media, which is a website dedicated to educating people on peer-to-peer lending and that was episode 115. So if you're interested in becoming a borrower or an investor in this peer-to-peer marketplace, check out episode 115. That is a wrap, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to So Money. Good luck to all of our uh, question askers this Saturday. I hope that my advice was helpful. And if it was not, or if it was, I want to know either way. And just as a reminder to ask me a question just hop on to somoneypodcast.com click on ask for and ask away and another reminder if you want to win a free 15 minute money session with me go to somoneypodcast.com go to iTunes and click on the podcast show click go to iTunes click on so money under podcast leave a review And every Saturday, I select one new reviewer to get that free 15-minute money session. So good luck with that. If you're interested, hope to hear from you. Thanks in advance. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your Saturday, everyone. I really appreciate you joining me and hope to see you right back here tomorrow. In the meantime, hope your day is so money.